0: john chapter 9 this morning john chapter 9 as we look at the fifth sign of christ we've got two more after this and uh, i'm carrying you out unless god changes my heart and i'm praying about it uh the day after christmas the seventh sign of christ is the resurrection So, I'm preaching the Resurrection Easter message the day after Christmas, and and I I may change. I'm praying about that. Uh, So, just know, I kind of find it humorous. I was telling Heather earlier this week, I may may preach the birth of Christ at Easter, just because I'm different. Uh, But uh, that may change something I'm praying about, Uh, so pray with me on that. And... Uh, as we prepare these these signs of Christ once again are all about the ministry that Christ came to earth for and John he, he writes in such a way with these signs and connects it to the fulfillment of Jesus as the Messiah and then it ties in with the seven signs in Revelation of how God uses his Messiah to completely restore things back to the created order and and it's interesting even you see these things through the Old Testament Uh, if you're here on Sunday morning for Sunday school we're, we're going through the Exodus and God gives the Egyptians signs so that they would know that he is God and it ties in and and he is creator of all and it all ties back to Christ our Lord and and so he says Jesus always reminds us don't look to the signs because signs can be manipulated there's counterfeit signs but look who the signs represent And and today we're looking at the fifth sign of Christ and how he's represented here in John chapter 9 Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night? Get a glass of water use the restroom Whatever, but you just wake up and you try to find your way around and you kick the end of the bed or a dresser or the couch and you stub your toe or Maybe you stepped on a Lego block barefooted. That will make you lose your religion if you do that. Yes. <laughs> right? It's dark. Our eyes hadn't quite adjusted to everything, but we try to navigate around in the dark. Why? Because we think we know. We we got the layout in our mind, but we miscalculate. Because we just woke up. I have an alarm clock by my bed. It shines a soft blue light. I turn it away because it's bright enough to where it'll keep you awake if you don't. Uh, But if I have to get up in the middle of the night, I'll lay there a minute and let my eyes adjust to that blue light, and then I can get around without stubbing my toe or stepping on a Lego and losing my religion. Uh, And and this is the glimpse of the fifth sign that we get with Christ. And again, it, it ties into the I am the light of the world statement that he gives in, in the Feast of Tabernacles that we talked about oh, back in September nineteenth, I believe it was. And and what we're gonna look at today is a healing of a blind man. And it's all about his perspective on darkness and light. And this is a theme that john uses throughout his book is darkness and light parallels and and this is the fifth sign so the the points i want to speak on this morning are blind eyes see and unbelief believes so let's look at john chapter 9 verses 1 through 7 and talk about blind eyes see And it reads, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would have been born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man nor his parents sinned. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he had spit on the ground, and made clay with the spittle, and applied the clay to the eyes, and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went away and washed and came back seen. Surrounding text. John chapter 8, we have the incredible argument between Jesus and the religious leaders where Jesus says at the end of the chapter, before Abraham was, I am. And, And he The religious leaders picked up stones to stone him. And and the end of John chapter 8 says Jesus hid himself and left the temple. And this is the surrounding context. As he's leaving the temple, as he passes by, he sees this man blind from birth. Again, we we don't know how Jesus knew he was blind from birth. It could be the supernatural knowledge that he knew he was blind from birth, or uh, but they know he's blind from birth. And his disciples, they show bad theology. They ask Jesus a bad theological question: Who sinned that this man would be born blind? Him his parents you know sometimes we fall into the trap of this bad theology ourselves do we not when something happens to us that's kind of horrible and, and hard to navigate through we our, our first initial reaction is what did I do to sin and displease God And and in a way We're kind of right Because why do we live in a fallen world Because of our sin nature It's because of our rebellion against God That things are so messed up Romans 3.23 For all have sinned And fallen short Of the glory of God Every single one of us And, And that falls short gives a picture of someone who is constantly running from behind always trying to catch up. And so we're constantly trying to catch up to the glory of God. And what does Romans 6.23 say? For the wages of sin, the result, the payment of our sin is death. But the free gift of God Is eternal life In Christ Jesus our Lord So we see Kind of where they get This bad theology And it's true On a a macro Level of the world That there is Suffering in this world Because of our sin nature And rebellion against God We are removing ourselves From the presence of God and everything that God has for us is life-giving everything that God has for us is full of love and life and so when we separate ourselves from that it's death it's suffering so on a macro level this isn't bad theology but on the micro individual level it's bad theology because the Lord Causes the sun to rise on both the righteous and the unrighteous. And causes to rain the fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. So the sun again is heat and suffering. The rain is blessing. And he causes these things on all of humanity. So that we could get a glimpse of who he is and his glory. Why did the plagues of Egypt happen with Pharaoh? So that they would know that he is the Lord. Think about that. He uses suffering to reveal his glory to all mankind. And so sometimes it's not about our sin against him. Sometimes our suffering is so that he could reveal himself to us in that moment and this is how he responds to his disciples it was neither sin did not cause this man's blindness sin did not cause Job his suffering it was so that God could prove himself faithful and reveal his glory to not only this man blind There's a lot of bad theology in regard to this in our day and age, is there not? That if you're not constantly happy and joyful or you're not wealthy and things are just going right or and you're not healthy, then you must be in sin. False. False. That is not the word of God. It's in these times that God wants us to look to Him and say, How do you want to transform me in this? Acknowledge. We talked about celebrate, acknowledge our constant need for. Because sometimes if there's too much celebration, we forget. We forget who blesses us with that celebration. And we need to acknowledge him in our mind. We need to acknowledge our dependence on him. Because we live in an imperfect world. Because we live in a fallen state to where his glory is not constantly seen. And that pendulum shifts to where we get a glimpse of his glory and we get a glimpse of hell and life apart from him and when that happens it should cause us to look for his glory because he even uses those things and recreates those things in our life so that we could share with others how he's working. how is he working your pain for his glory that's a powerful message isn't it not darkness and light so bad theology and this is kind of the sense if you will of karma is it not you get what you deserve what goes around comes around bad theology it's bad theology because think about it, if we truly get what we deserve, and what tr- what goes around comes around, we deserve none of it. None of it. Karma is not biblical, and it should, the thought of it, has it to the church in the sense of, if you're suffering, then you must be in sin. It's bad theology. Get rid of it. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. We sometimes get what we deserve. But more often than not, with God's grace, we get what we don't deserve. So that he can reveal himself. So, he says, in verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day for night is coming when no one can work and what he's talking about here is his death his time is short he's got a specific goal that he needs to accomplish while he's here on earth but night is coming there's a time coming when he's going back to his father in heaven and so we have to complete this work is what he tells them and then he says while I am in the world I am the light of the world and it it connects back to that message that he gave earlier at the feast of tabernacles with the menorah lit up in the background and to prove it after he says these things, he spits on the ground and he makes clay. I don't know if you've ever been to the optometrist. That has never happened to me. The optometrist, and they have not spit on the ground and made clay and rubbed it in my eyes. And number one or number two, that, that doesn't happen, right? Uh, but this is what Jesus did. The creator of all things creates. And he sends him to the Pool of Siloam, which means sent. Now the pool is at the bottom of the pathway to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The Pool of Siloam was discovered in 2004. They did not know what it was until 2008 as they began their excavations and research. In 2008, they discovered that it was indeed the Pool of Siloam. And what they discovered about this is this is where everyone in Jerusalem came and would immerse themselves in the pool to be cleansed. Little baptism, symbolic cleansing, completely immerse themselves in this pool and start their journey to the Temple Mount to worship. And as they left the pool, what they discovered was this coin. This is a replica. A replica of of a coin like this that each person was given. And in Hebrew on this coin, it says, pure before God. And this was their ticket into the temple mount to worship, to show that, yes, I've been to the pool and cleansed so that I could come worship. And so Jesus creates the darkness uh, he doesn't create the darkness. The guy is in darkness. He creates something over his eyes and sends him to be cleansed of the darkness in his life. Sends him to the pool to wash to cleanse the darkness of the light. And he comes back seeing for the first time. And he's pure before God. The pool of soil symbolic of God's cleansing of our sin and darkness in our life.
1: And this is what Jesus does
0: for me. And it's a great miracle. Bruce Grisby wrote in an article in 1985 about the blind man being sent. He wrote, it is a symbol of the believer's salvific bath." an implicit and universal command to all unbelievers to wash in the fountain of the cleansing waters at Calvary. D.A. Carson writes in his commentary, he says, although the healing is as thorough as the blind man's obedience, the power itself does not come from the obedience nor the pool called sent, but from the one who sent himself. So even though there is action in our part of obedience of being cleansed, the power and the salvation doesn't come from our obedience. It comes from Him. The power is all His. The glory is all His. And this is the picture that we did. A man who only knew darkness his whole life. Was born into darkness for the first time. Sees in a moment when they're trying to escape being stoned to death for blasphemy, and as he's passing by, he sees this man and brings healing and reveals his glory to this man. Also. All for the purpose of proving that He's the light of the world. As you can imagine, just like everything Jesus did, this causes controversy. Again, controversy. But through this controversy, we see that unbelief believes. John chapter 9 starting at verse 8 through verse 12 and then we're going to jump ahead toward the end in verse 35 through 38 John 9, 8 through 12 reads this way therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying is not this the one who used to sit and beg and others were saying this is he and still others were saying, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, how then are your eyes open? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and received sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped. So the miracle happens, he goes home, and all his neighbors, is this really the guy? No, it can't be, he, he must be like him, but it's not him. No, it's me. How and then are your eyes open? And he begins to tell and relate the story to them. Hey, made clay, put it over my eyes, I went to the pool and washed like he told me to, and I can see, I can't explain it, I don't know what happened. Where is he? I don't know. Scripture says some of the neighbors rejoiced with him and celebrated with him. But some went and told the religious leaders. So here come the religious leaders. And mind you, the religious leaders of this time are the political leaders. Okay, so here they come to question him in accordance to the law, and they're trying to get this guy to admit that Jesus is a false prophet. Okay, so they they do three interrogations here of this man through the passages that we skipped, and the first was was trying to prove that Jesus was guilty of breaking the Sabbath. Because again, this happens on the Sabbath, on a day of rest. And we've talked about this quite a bit, right? He did a lot of things on the Sabbath that made everybody upset because of their little laws And not understanding that the Sabbath did not prevent people from helping others. Rest was in the Lord and in his work, not in our work. And so they're trying to get him to admit that he's a false prophet. He's like, I don't know whether he is or not, but no one who is apart from God can do these things. And so they get in a huff and they leave and they go to his parents. And the second interrogation involved his parents. Was he really blind at birth? I mean, you're going you're gonna to sit here and tell me that he was completely blind. And it's kind of absurd because what they're suggesting here is that somehow Jesus made a conspiracy with this guy's parents and say, pretend like he's blind so that I could heal him. I don't know about you, but you cannot get a kid to pretend that they're blind their whole life at some point, people are going to know that, yeah, he can see. He's okay. And this is kind of what they're doing. But the parents are scared because these people can excommunicate them for worship. And and they say, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. But I don't know how he can see now. You need to go ask him. We're not even going to go there with you. We're too afraid of you to answer your questions completely and so frustrated they go back and they come back and they try and get the blind man to deny that Jesus did this completely and to deny that he is not of God And verse 33 is, is a cool verse it, it reads um uh, Well, verse 32, since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. Verse 33, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And this really sends them into a tizzy fit. How dare you educate us on God's word? Those who are called of God to educate the people... Of God's word. How dare you try to educate me on God's word? And they excommunicate it. They throw them out of worshiping God. Guys. You know, I, I hope that when you come to me and we talk about the word of God and what God's doing in your life, that I never say this to you. How dare you try to educate me on God? I'm constantly learning things here. I may never truly understand the depth and the wisdom found in this book. And you know what? You won't either. And I'm not above being teachable to this book. And it just shows the hardness of their heart toward God that they would chastise someone for trying to teach them about the ways of God. And so when we start in verse 35, Jesus heard... That they put him out. And he goes looking for him. Because now he is spiritually wounded. You know, and, and in our cold hearted ways, people leave the church today. Because of our bitterness. Because of our hypocrisy, Because of our unteachability. And you ask people, well, why, why don't you believe in God? Because His people, they're hypocrites. You know what? Yeah, we are. We're hypocrites. Because we're striving to be like God, and we're going to fail. And it's going to seem hypocritical, but when we fail, let's not harden our hearts like the religious leaders here and say, how dare you? Let's soften our hearts toward one another and treat each other with the love and the respect that we deserve, even in our sin even in our sin, Because it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repent. Not our anger, not our pride, and not our know-it-all, but the kindness of the Lord. And we cause deep spiritual wounds When we treat each other this way, just like this one. And Jesus sought him out. He already healed him once, and now he's going to heal with a different unit that he received. And when he finds him, he asks the question, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now this is a different belief in, do you believe that the Son of Man exists? This is different from that. This is a belief of are you willing to put active trust in the Son of Man? Are you willing to change the course of your life on what you believe about the Son of Man? And the blind man says, Well, who is he? So that I so that I can. And Jesus says it plainly. Who you're talking with right now? think, I'm that person. And the blind man worshipped the Lord. said, I believe. I put my complete trust in you. And I believe. And he fell and worshipped Jesus in that moment. Twice when his unbelief became belief. because he experienced firsthand how he was delivered from darkness into the light of God and how the wounds that he received from even people who claimed to be God's own people (laughs) and was healed through the kindness of God. Twice. He saw that his suffering brought about God's glory. so what about you this morning how is God working in your life this morning through your suffering through your pain through your hurt are you even allowing him to work through those things so that his glory may be revealed in your life Or are we trying to push it away? The same question that Jesus asked, I ask of you here, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe what he says about himself in Scripture? That all things work together for the good of those who love him. Do you love him? Do you truly hang your hat on that faith? If not, are you willing to put your continuous faith in Him and say and allow Him to prove it? The God who created everything is in the business of recreating things back to His glory, and it starts with salvation. You have never received salvation. I say this every week. It's as easy as ABC. Acknowledge. Acknowledge that we have sinned against him. Acknowledge that Jesus is the only one who can restore us into a right relationship with Christ. Believe. Believe that God sent him To take care of us and to recreate our sin for his glory. Then confess. Confess we are placing our continuous faith in Christ to where he's going to reveal things when you do this. He's going to reveal things in your life that we need to remove. And when he does, we need to turn from that and turn to follow him. That's repentance. And repentance starts with confession. Saying the same thing the Lord says. Lord, I recognize that you're calling me to turn from this and turn to you, so I turn from this. And scripture says that when we say that, 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is the pool that we go and wash through the Spirit and become clean at confession. Mm-hmm. Salvation is as easy as ABC. And if you're here today and you have never ever take these steps and you want to take these steps, again, I'm going to do something different. In a moment, when we stand and pray, I'm going to ask you to find the person closest to you and say, will you pray with me the steps of salvation so that I can receive Christ? And if you're that person that they go to and you're like, I'm really uncomfortable with this, can we go down to pastor? Then come down to me. That's okay. But James, James 5 says, Confess your sin to one another. Because there's healing in it. And the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Or maybe you're here in you are but you're struggling. It's like you've woken up in the middle of the night and you see a little glimmer of life but you're still kind of stumbling around. And you see bits and pieces of God working in your life but you don't see God completely working in your life. It's the time where we need to come and acknowledge, Lord, where are you at in my situation? I need to completely see you so that I can follow. That's okay. There's going to be times like that. In a moment, after we pray, I'm going to have you do the same thing. If you want someone to pray with you, find someone closest to you. And if you're uncomfortable with that, come, come down and, and let me pray with you. And I, I will be glad to. Or maybe you're here and you're a Christian and and you're like, Pastor, I've been coming here a while and I'm not really a member, but I want to join a body of believers like this that's gonna make an impact in our community and work together. And it's gonna help me grow in my walk with the Lord. Man, if that's you, come talk to me. And I'll, glad, I'll be glad to talk with you about what it takes to be a member here. And we'll vote you in a But however the Lord is speaking to you, the time to respond is today. We may say, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to chew on this a little bit. And and I'm going to wait a little bit. And maybe tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed the next moment. The time to make things right with the Lord now and though invitation never closes and God can meet you yes, at any time, anywhere, where you're at respond to him today respond to him now with a group of other believers that can edify your faith so I'm going to ask us to stand right where we are I'm just going to ask this to play, that's playing, and I want to focus on our response. In responding, let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that you have removed the darkness of our life and shown your life. If there's someone here who needs your salvation, Lord, I pray that you would quicken their spirit that they would not leave here today without the assurance that when they stand before you in judgment, they will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And receive the free gift that you have for us, which is eternal life with you. In your presence, in your glory, and be in a right relationship with you to where we could follow your kingdom and your will in our life. If there's someone here, Lord, who is saved but are struggling to see how you're working in their life through whatever situation they're going through, through the hurt and the pain that this life brings, It's so easy and natural for us, Lord, to want to shut that away. And sometimes we don't understand why we have to suffer the way we suffer. But you suffer. The one who is the most absolutely perfect man of God suffered. Suffered for us. You became sin. And took our sin upon yourself so that we could know your righteousness. So however we are suffering this morning, just like this blind man, Lord, we ask that you would reveal your absolute complete glory in our life and how you're working in this way to sharpen us into your image. We ask that your spirit would just mold us like the potter in the clay. and Help us submit to that process. this morning, Lord, if there's someone here who is looking for a, a body of believers to serve with and they want to become a member here, I, I pray that they would come talk to me this morning and that we can welcome them as a member into this body. Re- regardless, regardless of their life it's all about our relationship with you but we take this time to focus on you healing our hurts and breaking the darkness in our life so that we can see your light help us respond now to you in Jesus name Amen